My name is Peter Baldwin, and I'm the founder of Bird Dog Shorts. You've probably seen me on Shark Tank, where Mark Cuban obliterated my pitch. Look, Mark, I'll admit it. The invention of the first-ever stretch khaki shorts that feel amazing, look amazing, and you can wear literally anywhere wasn't my best idea. But I've got more, like Dog Trader. Just like Auto Trader, but you can sell your old dog. Mark, I know you'd invest if you just gave me one more shot. So go to birddogs.com slash pool and join the 2 million men who think bird dog shorts are a great idea. Or DM Mark Cuban and tell him to give me one more shot. And the upstart, Sooners of Oklahoma, 12-0 and still looking for respect nationwide. What is going on, Sooner Nation? Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Barry and Mac Show. As always, myself, Barry, personal trainer, sports performance coach out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And alongside me, former Sooner wide receiver, 2000 national champ, Mr. Damian Mackey. How are we doing today, D-Mac? What's good, B? Let's go. I'm ready to go. Let's get it. Man, first of all, I want to wish everyone a happy July 4th weekend. Uh, Holidays coming up very soon, but I know a lot of people are out and about. So be safe. Uh, But just because it's the weekend doesn't mean there's not any OU news out there. And DMAC OU has procured three more commitments. Ivan Carrion, wide receiver out of Odessa, Texas. Wyatt Gilmore out of Minnesota and local product Xavier Robinson out of Carl Albert. We've talked about it a little bit on 360. Chris Mason over there has been on top of all three of these guys. Uh, we saw the Carrion thing kind of developing over the past few months. We saw a few follows. Uh, we we were on top of the Wyatt Gilmore. Matter of fact, we might have been first um, on that we in were. terms of forecasting it. Yeah, but pretty sure. And then uh, Xavier Robinson, same kind of deal. He's a little bit of uh, of what OU has needed in that H-back role that they've missed. So off of those three, D-Mac, I'll, I'll give my opinion on, on the follow-up when you throw it back. Let's talk about the receiver first, and then we'll work our way to the H-back. Carrion bringing some size, some length to the position. We were talking pre-show just a little bit about that. What is your initial take on him, uh, seeing him uh, hopefully wearing a Sooner jersey? Yeah, uh, so when I see that young man, how I say crazy, Carrion? Carrion. I believe it's it's Carrion, but man, I could be all over the mispronunciation on that. Hey, I I was a math teacher, not an English teacher, so bear with me. Um, When I look at him, I actually, you know, I I see a lot of hesitancy, wait and see, and and concern, and I get it. I I know why, right? He has not shown the ability to... Uh, consistently be like a blazer or somebody who's going to overwhelm you with a ton of talent, right? A ton of athleticism. So I, I, I understand why folks are, you know, raise a little concern, but let me say this, there is a type and especially in this offense that is necessary to be successful. And I think he gives us a blank canvas that has the, 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 the uncoachable tools that we feel like if we give the young man some good coaching, there's something there. So, so let's kind of let's kind of break that piece down. Number one, 
it isn't every day you find a six six guy uh, football player who is an actual natural football player. I don't know how he plays. Who? In fact, I've heard he's a good basketball player too. Actually, he's good. But yeah, he's good. It translates to football, right? You see a lot of six four, six five guys, and they look awkward or. Uh, they're dysfunctional, right? Even if good athletes on the basketball court, it doesn't translate to the football field. Watch his film, right? If you're not worried about his 40 or worried about his his short area quickness or agility, but you watch, does this young man understand football? And more importantly, at the receiver position, can he get himself in position to catch the ball? He's one of those guys who's open when he's really not, especially in college, right? A 5'11 receiver on a guy like him, uh, two, three years down the road, he's open. Throw the ball. It doesn't matter if the guy is is the best, you know, cover corner in America, he's open. So I, I see that part and I I like his raw his raw material in that regard. Here's the other thing. And, and a lot of people um, like the recognition and or the exposure, but they don't connect dots. Here's what we found out the last 18 months. Jerry Schmidt's program works. Right. When you see Jerry Schmidt and you see the product of 18 months later and guys like Grayson Holton are one two ninety, and you see Lay Lau is a, is a 296 pounds and you're looking at a team where it felt like for the last six, eight years, we just looked like the junior version of the Sooners of the mid, you know, 2000s and the late 90s. Like, dude, we look small. We look weak. We look, you know, where are the, where's the definition? Where's the, the get off the bus squad? You see a guy like him, and, and I know you spoke to this, but it's what I was thinking too, Barry. You know, we talked mm -hmm. about this off the air. That's a guy who in two, two years is an animal. And the way the game is now, it's not quite basketball where basketball is almost like positionless, but skill guys are, it's becoming much more of a mismatch game versus inline tight end, X receiver, Z, re that, that, that kind of world has changed to how can I find a mismatch to get my guy against them in this coverage in space or off action or running away from coverage, right? So when you see a guy like him, and you ask yourself, how can I deploy him against a 3-3-5 that we're going to see a ton this upcoming season, which we won't see in the SEC nearly as much. But like he's one of those guys where you line him up in the slot, you can't have that 5-11, 212-pound undersized backer who's really good in space and in reality can't play in a traditional defense but kicks our ass in a 3-3-5 because his responsibilities are short area and beat big guys to the angle, right? You put him against that guy and he's got to cover him through the same area, it, 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 it defeats that defense. So I look at him as a person who, I mean, Ashley, obviously he's a class filler. He's a potential guy, but he does have some, I won't call it unicorn, Barry, but I'll say some very unique skills that if harnessed correctly and developed appropriately, he could be a dude. He could be a dude. He's a guy who uh, I, I imagine, you know, 15 to 22 pounds heavier um, and in that process getting stronger and faster what does that version of him look like I think we're in a position where some of the guys we brought in some of the guys we're developing it gives us the latitude to take a guy like him and develop a guy like him and uh, see what he gives us after a red shirt uh, 20 pounds heavier 
great coaching with Coach Jones and then great um, athletic development with Jerry Schmidt. So I, I look at that young man and 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 I I am cautiously optimistic. No, I'm not. I I I, I um I'm cautiously optimistic. I am. I'm cautiously optimistic about what he brings to the table. I'll say this because I was a little critical of not not the player, but just um, Oklahoma and the potential um, that they have to get just elite guys at the receiver position. Uh, that it doesn't seem like outside of Kearney that they they've pulled in just yet. Uh, so I'll talk about a few points. Uh, the points I brought up on 360 were if you go to watch his film, he struggles at times getting separation from guys he should just be blowing by. However, he camped at OU's camp. And what that tells me is that the coaches saw him and they said, you know, here's what the film is showing us. Here's what we see in person, which oftentimes can be very different, right? Seeing a guy on film versus when you get them up close and personal can be two very different things. And they said, you know what? He may not create separation right now, but as you, as you kind of alluded to, he's 195 at six foot six. He probably just isn't very strong. He's the type of guy where you get his squat up, you get him up to a solid 220, 230. And it sounds counterproductive to, to someone maybe listening saying, well, wouldn't he be slower because he's getting heavier? No. When, when, when you get your body proportionately strong to the weight that you are carrying and you're able to squat two, two and a half, three times body weight at certain points. When you get to that point, you are going to be a better accelerator. You're going to be faster in the open field. You're going to be able to jump higher. You're going to be um, have much better change of direction. And, and then there's some just coaching elements, right? Things he's not necessarily polished at the line of scrimmage getting off the ball. So he doesn't create a bunch of initial separation there. But on the positives, I think of all of the tall, sort of lengthy receivers OU has gone after uh, since Venables has arrived, since Levy has gotten there. I think he has the best jump ball senses, just high pointing the ball, timing, understand how, understanding how to box a guy out, positioning. I, I think he's the best that OU has brought in there. And then there's some talk about, does he go to tight end? His blocking film is actually really, really good. And even if he doesn't go full-time tight end, I mean, he gives you flexibility there, right? You go empty, you, you do some different things, and all of a sudden, the mismatch that you're talking about, you won't be able to keep a short guy on the field. It's just going to be too risky, right? You're, you're going to have to load up with a guy who can physically match up against him or just have to eat it, you know, and, and OU has saw that how many times when they had, you know, 44 out mm -hmm. on the field, 25 out on the field. I mean, oh. teams just said, we are going to go at you until you get him off the field. I mean, it is, as you said, it's basketball. It is switch, switch, switch. Oh, we got the matchup. Let's go at that. Let's poke it until you stop it. And if you can't stop it, now we're playing 11 on 10 and, and you can't win. Right. And, and good teams will just eat that up. And this offense will, with Levy and the way they use space, even more so than Riley, really wants to get the mismatches. Speaking of mismatches, uh, OU got a guy who should be able to be a mismatch at that H-back role. OU is going to be able to do a lot of different things with them. Talking about Xavier Robinson, 
Uh, man, the name of the last guy, I can't believe it escapes me, who OU had at that position. Um, it was not Flowers, but who was right after Flowers? My goodness. Um, He's the guy who had the podcast with it. Uh, uh, that's right. Jeremiah Hall. Jeremiah. Jeremiah Hall. So, and, and he wasn't quite the receiving threat that Flowers was, didn't have the same kind of wiggle, but still in that same vein. Um, and Robinson actually shows some pretty good running back skills. The easy comparison that people are making uh, DMAC is P. Ryan. I don't think he is Samaje P. Ryan. P. Ryan at that size had elite level feet. I mean, you're talking feet that have kept him. He's a little bit of a journeyman, but he's now found a home at Cincinnati there with Mixon. Uh, I believe he's still there, has another year or so yeah. on his contract. So I mean, he, he's a guy who's solidified himself in the NFL. Robinson still has to uh, still has a journey for himself, but you see him being added to uh, OU's commitment list. Uh, what are your thoughts about him in the running back slash H back tight end room? Yeah, he's not P Ryan. He's a long hipped, long leg guy versus P Ryan, who was all thighs and 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 glutes. Right? P Ryan coming at you is a bowling ball versus this young man who's a big, strong, um, explosive guy. You know, I, I question the ta- uh, the competitive um, kids he's going against. The competition is one. Carl Albert, we know, is a powerhouse in, in Oklahoma, but sometimes kids can play at a school like Carl Albert, who has the talent to compete statewide at every level, but they're not necessarily playing against that caliber of athlete week in and week out. And so that's something that I, uh, I'm a little concerned about, the explosion here's 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 what i say about him it's very similar to what i say about uh carry on corian um they both have a, a canvas right and and i think ou and and thinking about transitioning to the sec is being mindful to what type of player you'll need in order to really be able to impose your will in that conference and and hey i wanted to say this i don't want our our uh, assessment of corian to be all rainbows and daffodils there's a high likelihood he busts a, a young man like that who is an unfinished product who we're banking on 30 pounds and we're banking on explosion and speed and a lot of that is internal willpower that a lot of guys get to college and get distracted or just decide they don't want to do and so um i do want to say we don't want to become the school that recruits a ton of projects when i see xavier as a as a one or one a caliber running back today, he's a project. He leaves a lot of himself to be hit. And at the running back position, when you've got a big, strong kid who's used to being bigger and stronger than a lot of the D linemen and linebackers at the high school level, when they get to college and get form tackled a couple times in fall practice, they aren't very big anymore. Mm. Right. And, and the, and the bad thing is at that point, they were never really elusive. So now they're a target. Right. So, I've seen a ton of guys who come through a program like this um, and are the big, strong, big, bad wolf. I hear, you know, I'm not going to say names of guys, but we had guys who were six, one and a half, 229 pounds, a four, six, 40 ish kind of guy, four, six, five, four, six, three. And they just got nailed all day in practice and they never got off the bench. And some of those guys didn't have, um, you know, the highest identity or character and they became cancer kind of guys or just, you know, just the kind of guys who was like, OK, let me stay away from those guys. I'm not going to say names, but I played with some guys like that. And so he he does 
send those kind of vibes not in the character component not in if, if i if he's a he could be the he could be the best kid there is i just wonder if he will be able to show on saturdays and on tuesday wednesday practices in fall camp like he does against 5 10 175 pound linebackers who run a 4 9 that he's playing against now so for x rob I, I think he's another one where if he takes advantage of schmitty um here's what i like i don't know that he runs track and i've seen it happen a ton a lot of kids who in high school were not track athletes who come into the college game and literally learn how to run they become more explosive if he ran track and has had some um formal or informal coaching on how to run correctly and breathe correctly and and it it you know there isn't some deficit that's slowing him down that can be easily corrected that's something that concerns me right if he has done a ton ton of olympic lifts and explosion lifts through the hips and stuff and he's kind of advanced in those areas that kind of concerns me right um because i see the kids who get on the training table and take nutrition seriously recreate their body he's the kind of young man who if his body is a finished product and there isn't a lot we can do maybe a couple tweaks then it concerns me because he's not Perian. you know p ryan was a guy who you might miss him in the hole because he's five nine and a half 236 pounds and again by the time you see him you see shoulder pads and kneecaps right that good luck hitting that He's a young man. There's a lot of chest. He's a young man. There's a lot of hips. Right. And yeah, it's, it's, it's easy when the kids are 5'10, 177, you know, 6'1, 230, but they run a 5'140 and they're not a good athlete, but they look at like a linebacker, but they don't run like one. Uh, when, when he gets to Norman uh, and Lewis Carter's redshirting, which I don't think Lewis would be, but if, you know, whoever it is, Kobe McKenzie, Kip Lewis, those guys are all calling ass four six at the slowest some of those guys four five four four or even some of them they're gonna they're gonna dot the eye and kiss him in his chest and, and he's not gonna like it so for x rob hopefully he provides some versatility at the h position if he can catch the ball and he can be a sniffer off the line of scrimmage who can come and wham block and reach block and and, and climb to the second level and get on backers and cover people up that'll be that'll be i think something that can help him but there is a small chance barry i don't want to totally eliminate it for him there's a small chance he's a guy who in another year his body matures when he gets to ou he he gets more explosive um and he comes in and is a player for us at, at running back um and i say the same for the corian kid we're telling best case scenario for corian uh there's there's much more likelihood relative to his peers and i think that's the thing about football people miss He's got to do whatever the hell he does at a better clip relative to his peers. And if either of those guys can't do that, they might be bench or fringe special teams guys. But here's what I do know. I watch their film. They're football players. So in some way, shape or form with their canvas, with their body, they're going to help the team. I just I don't know that we can ever depend on either of these guys to be stars or even situational starters. You kind of touched on a little bit of a point I brought up on our uh, Twitter space the other day that we do every Tuesday, 9.30 in the morning, Central Standard Time, me and Chris Mason. Even if these guys don't pan out as as superstars, like every recruiter is looked at upon when they uh, commit to Oklahoma and then eventually sign, 
you're still elevating that bottom half of your roster, which is still making your team better. Uh, taking a look at Robinson, same kind of deal as Carrion. A lot of things have to go right. I would say probably fewer things have to go right for him than Carrion, just because of the the need to really have somebody at that position. I think if he has the the prerequisite athleticism, they are going to do everything that they can to make it work. Whereas at receiver, if they have some guys step up, you know, if Kearney is about his business, let's say Jaden Gibson has a good year, Nick Anderson, it's going to be a lot tougher. And then that's where the transfer portal becomes a very, very, very real thing. No matter how good a character a kid has, they always want to have a chance to play. Uh, but with Robinson, one of the things I do like, his hands are really good. Um, he, he goes out there and he makes tough catches. Uh, seems very, very physical. Some of the numbers I was able to find, cleaning about 265, would like to see that go up. I mean, when he gets to OU, that will definitely go up, particularly if he's pushing 240, like some people said he might be pushing. So uh, 265 is a little bit on the low side, but the around, around 500 on squat, 275 on bench. This is just kind of the huddle numbers I was able to find, 461 in the 40. We'll see on that when that uh, when he gets to is that verified or is that like no uh, on on the school track (laughs) Uh, on this man I got in so much trouble on Twitter because this is so funny because I questions a question the kids forty and it was not like a a disrespectful it was like well I know how those numbers can be kind of uh, they can be kind to an athlete which is not a bad thing if it gets them recruited and the film looks good. When they get to college, if they're not running that, they're going to find out. And the college would not recruit them if they thought they were slow. That being said, sometimes these times are a little crazy. And this time that they were discussing was borderline historical for that position and size. And I was just like, eh, hold the phone. And then he gets to OU. And and we've heard through a few sources that he was not running what they said he was running. So that's usually how that turns out. Uh, last guy I want to talk about, uh, DMAC, is a guy that P.J. Fleck was all over. He wanted him in his program up there in Minnesota. Uh, Wyatt Gilmore uh, plays the edge position. Uh, looks like a strong side defensive end. Uh, 6'4", around 260, 270. A guy who we talked about him on 360. Again, a little bit of a project player. He's going to have to get on campus and develop. He is a, a high-end sort of Dan, Danny Okoye, David Stone type player. He, he's just not that. But he is a guy, a little bit of a throwback to some of the players that you had on that 2000 team almost, uh, just in terms of of kind of the tenacity he plays with. He's a grit and grind guy. Uh, he's not necessarily going to beat you with flash and athleticism, but he'll beat you with, with pretty good technique and consistency. Uh, well, what do you think about Wyatt Gilmore? Yeah, you know... <clears throat> I know it sounds like a broken record, but I think about our roster the last 10 years, and it was very top-heavy. We generally had a pretty good first string offense and defense, sometimes not even a first team, right? But we the drop-off from there was, was astronomical. It was evident. And so when I look at all three of these guys, and you're right, I think Carrion probably has the steepest hill to climb. But he also has a unique skill set that's going to help him. And if he can harness that, he'll be he'll be okay. Gil, uh, Gilmore is a kid who 
as a program, you're always going to have a second team. There's going to be a second team. There are going to be injuries. And something that we haven't been very good at identifying in the past is, you know, we, we generally have our, our, our plan A guys, and then we would find ourselves um, scrambling come December, January, and, and obviously the first week of February for plan C and or D guys. Gilmore is a guy you don't have to worry about if he's a D1 guy. He is. Ladies and gentlemen, we have ourselves a D1 strong side D, and it's exactly what he is. And he could probably play the five, too. He's a big, long levered kid who, if he needed to play the five, he could play the five, right? So we checked that box. Uh, you you said something else, and, and, and I agree totally in that he's an effort player, right? We're trying to turn a roster over where guys were mental midgets or guys just have bad attitudes or bad habits, and we need more guys who will play through the whistle, guys who will play three, four, five, six, seven seconds if, if the play goes seven, you know, five, I wouldn't say seven, that's a long time, but five seconds. He's shown it on film willingly. He's got the body, right? He's a 6'4", 265-pounder. So he's not one of these guys where we say we're not going to take a plan C. What we'll do is we'll take an undersized 6'1", 236-pounder, and then he never grows in anything. He's a, he's a forever tweener. And you got four or five tweeners on your team, and they can't help you because they're, they're always going to be 6'1", and 242 pounds. If you put more weight on them, they really can't help you. He's a guy with the body that's going to be – able to provide depth and for the class it it creates a little urgency I, you know it's not like sexy momentum but it also creates a little momentum these players know there are slots and there are a designated number of slots and when you can get a, get a young man who checks the box of having the body checks the box who has the work ethic and he's a D1 kid. He's not a kid where you're like, ah, is he fringe? No, 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 no. He starts at a place like Minnesota all day. And, and you know, there's a 30% chance he's an all-conference guy at a place like Minnesota that we've never heard of. And I think it's just good recruiting to say, hey, we're still waiting on Williams. We're still waiting on McKinley. We're still waiting on a David Stone. In the meantime, let's not stick our head in the sand and get caught having to take, you know, I talked about this last year, but, you know, a 6'2", 218-pound kid from Enid or, you know, some kid from Wyoming that no one's ever heard of and, and in a pinch we go out there and get him because he had a good, you know, semifinals in the state championship, but his two-year film says he's suspect. This is a kid who we can feel good about knowing he's going to bring depth. I don't think he, you know, I don't know that he's ever going to be a kid who is is a longtime starter, but he has the frame. And if the, if the mental edge inside of the business comes, he could be something. And so here's what I want to say to you, B. We've got to get out of the mentality of saying we're either competing against Ohio State or we're competing against Appalachian State, Right. We're going against Ohio State for the star-studded five-star, but then at the end of the recruiting season, we're taking a kid who App State was our comp. And I know you're going to say, or I know some people are going to say, who's going to say it? Kyle's going to say it. Kyle's going to say, but Mackey, we just took on and his, his competition was like Missouri State or something. Yeah, but the kid came and camped, and he has a huge frame at a position where your body essentially creates a differentiator that – 80% of 90% of receivers never get it. So that one is a is a is a outlier. X Rob averaged 9.5 yards per carry, and he's an in-state kid who's known. You, you, there's just something about making sure you take care of your state, right? So you can get a little goodwill. 
And I think Gilmore of the three, I think he has the 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 uh, highest floor. I think of the three, you know you're going to get it. You, you, you got to rotate four DNs. There's going to be four DNs that play. He's going to have five years to play. There's going to be a season, a time, a, a part of the, a part of his career where if he sticks around, he's going to have an impact or be counted on. Whereas running backs, if you don't have injuries, you might have two or three guys get all the carries. And then, of course, that receiver, you recruit three to four every year. You might have returning starters and and, and Corian is a kid who's a scout guy for most of his career. So not the sexiest three recruits, um, but I think the, the, the backbone of how you create quality depth and a bunch of ball players. And I think that's my truth. Yeah, I mean, Gilmore is the kind of player who, uh, a little stereotypical here, so forgive me for that, folks, but he's the kind of guy who goes to an Iowa or a Wisconsin or or a Minnesota and ends up being second-team all-conference, plays four years in the NFL because he's just consistent. He gets on on the practice squad, and you're like, who's this guy from, you know, random middle-of-the-pack Big Ten school? And and he's a he's the kind of player that OU needs. Right. It, I think I think you hit the nail on the head in that. Oh, you had some good kind of starting talent. It was that that second and third um, and even fourth position where the drop off was so massive. I mean, we really saw it at linebacker a year ago where those players could not even get on the field, regardless of how things looked on that side of the ball. And seems like a good segue there because. Uh, hearing some great stuff again coming out of uh, summer camp with the uh, the Sooners and how they are adapting to Schmidt and the programming and hearing some good things about guys like Devon Sears, uh, players like Deshaun McCullough. We were all over that on the last podcast, but uh, some photos came out of him. And sometimes the photos are a little deceptive, but in this case, I would say he looks like he's about on pace. A lot of players that freshman season, uh, especially when you're at a school who doesn't really have the same kind of program that OU does. But even then, that freshman year is about learning the ropes, figuring things out. That jump from being a freshman to a sophomore can be awfully significant for a lot of players. And, and McCullough's going through that. Also hearing some good things about Jacoby Johnson. Uh, seems that he has uh, put on some good weight. And then a player that I want to ask you about, I can't remember if we touched on him last week um, on the pod, but he's a player who you said was going to be a factor at the quarterback position. You, you've been high on him for a while, and that's Gentry Williams. Um, all signs point to him probably being a significant contributor for OU at corner this year. And it seems like he's put on some good weight, uh, looks a little faster, more explosive, and some of the stuff that OU's put out. He, he looks like he's... He's getting built for the NFL and had the number change. Uh, a lot of times that number change is a, yeah, you, you said that about Desan. You said there's no way that McCullough is where number one, unless the rest of the team thinks he's a dog. Uh, you, you can kind of go into any, anything you'd like here, D-Mac, but start off with, uh, with Gentry and where you think he fits in with all this and what do you think of the progress? Yeah, I, I look at this season as a practice season as we uh... – head and transition into the SEC. Um, I've said this a million times, and listen, I'm a huge uh, Brent Venables homer. I, I guess I could call myself more than a homer because I played for him. and I saw, I know the man he was. I was on campus and saw the man he still is. 
and I see the way he's recruiting and, and galvanizing and leading these men. Um, but I also want to win. And I, I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. If we don't win 10 games, something is barely wrong. I, I, very wrong. I, by the way, I, nine games to me is, is questionable. We got to win 10 games. And so we all know on Saturdays when they blow that whistle and, and, and those 11 guys walk between those white lines and the coaches are on the sidelines and the fans are in the stadium, like all we can do is watch and observe. Whether you alumni, fan, uh, you know, you graduated from the school or you just your grandpa loved it it ain't on us it's on them boys them young men and so when i look at our guys the eyeball test versus the eyeball test i would say since like gosh dang it what's the name of the what's the name of the kid he's from norman high i want to say he was a running back he played linebacker for us i want to say his last name was alexander deandre or d'angelo or dominic his dominic alex dominic yeah. he, he Remember when we were just moving a whole bunch of athletes around and putting them at different positions and hoping it kind of stuck? You know, there was like a there was about a four to six years just just era. I want to call it where like I didn't see ball players. I saw athletes. Right. We had a bunch of athletes out there and we're kind of trying to say, hey, we can't compete with the top shelf or for the top shelf kids. So we'll go find a bunch of running back linebacker whatever types and we'll mold them. Nah. Nah, <laughs> we, we ain't there no more, right? We we went back to Kansas. If this if the Yellow Big Road in the Emerald City was was the Wizard of Oz, gosh dang it, we 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 got the pieces now. When you look at players, gentry, six foot and a half, long arms, long limbed, quick feet, light feet, gotta stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Gotta stay healthy. He's got a little film time, and you watch and you're looking at the pictures, we said it last year. We, I, I, I vividly remember you and I both saying, because I played for Schmitty, ugh, died for Schmitty, and I, and you're a, you're a specialist in this arena. I remember we're like, you're not going to see the huge gains from fall, I mean, from winter to fall. You're not going to see it. You're going to see a year two. You're going to see, there's going to be some drastic changes in that second off season. And we see Twitter don't lie. y'all. I mean, like you said, the cameras can play a little bit of an illusion, but you can't put three inches of bicep on a kid on, on a camera. You just can't do it. Right. And you got to recruit guys who have that style of body who can take on that additional work. You look at Grayson Allen. Um, I fought with the guys on 360. All of you, all of you guys kept telling me he couldn't be a three tech. I told you guys last year, he's going to be a three tech. I told you guys he's 290 now. And by the way, guys, Pat, quick, look, Matt, I'm pulling, I'm calling you out. Uh, uh, Caleb, I'm calling you out. Kyle, you didn't respond, but I'm definitely calling you out. Be you on the call with me. And, And by the way, who cares? The point is, when you see coaches who have a plan and the plan comes to fruition, like, huh, that actually worked. That that took care of itself. That tells you there's a plan in place. So I'm looking at the freshmen. They have a huge opportunity. I'm looking at some of the transfers. Bothward is going to be a stalwart at the strong side. Uh, there's a bunch of options between Downs, Ford, uh, PJ on the weak side who can bounce around and create havoc. Listen, guys, Downs as a 40% of the snaps he took last year. Player is a plus player. Downs is what, Gilmore is what Downs should be on the strong Mm -hmm. side 
for the weak side. If Downs is a guy who plays 29 snaps and can have his hair on fire and three or four games out of the year, he's got to play more, but he's always got a rotation and there's people who can substitute him. Downs is a player. Every team in the boat, every team wants a Downs. He may not play significant minutes at Georgia, but when he gets in, he's going to have an impact because he's playing with other players. I'm just telling you. So, right, you look at that and you're like, okay, Bothway creates top shelf a uh, 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 standard now we can supplement with right the the connor near kid he creates quality depth where now can it can sit his little behind down until he got it and kip can put on the 20 pounds or else move to cheetah right lewis carter and samuel can come in and provide a whole new <laughs> plethora of competition where guys like okay i gotta get it together by the way did you see kobe's picture did you see what kobe Ooh. looks like yeah man you think that's a kid who wants to sit on the bench? To me, that looks like a kid who's like, bullshit, I'm not, I'm not about to sit on the bench. Y'all going to have to see me too. That's what happens when the bottom half of the roster improves. So we're looking at development, Barry. Um, you brought up Gentry. He's a starter. I, I, listen, he's, um, he's probably the most talented corner we have, right? We, we've heard all, we've heard the Wagoneer stuff and, and you know, he's a pup. We'll see, right? We'll see. Um, obviously, we've got... Woody coming back, he's a staunch, entrenched starter. I forgot who told me or told us that. Uh, I feel like one of the players told me that he's impressed thoroughly and, and he's going to kill it, which we're not surprised, but we just know his athleticism is going to be an issue against elite athletes. We just know it. he's a tweener. He's a he's a he's an NFL nickel. If he gets the right team, he's an NFL nickel for seven yeah. or eight years. He goes to the wrong team. He's out of the league in three years because guys running a four three are going to run by him. Like we, we, I, I, you know, I think that's a pretty safe, su uh, suggestive assumption. Uh, Pearson, I'm excited. I can't wait to get him on here with us and, and hear what he has to say. Uh, I heard Harrington has is a little bit nicked up. So, you know, he's got to get his health together here in the middle of the summer. Um, Barry, I, I said it before and I'll say it again. And I know I kind of rambled that, but dude, we got to win 10 games and I promise you in that building, the coaches feel 10 times better about the guys that's sending out there on first and second down on both sides of the ball than they did last year. And as fans, um, supporters, we got to pay attention to the, you know, to, to how the stars align. But we always we also got to call a spade a spade. We got to get out of the PTSD of the link years where it's like, OK, we got a mix in. But then if Mixon and P. Ryan are hurt, right, we got to walk on the quality depth is here. It's literally here in a year and two classes. Coach B has flipped the roster in a way where we've got good quality players who have to show up on Saturday. And, and, and the pressure is the pressure isn't. Are we better than our comp? We are. Listen, we need to own that. But as Sooner Nation, we got to own that. Like, are you kidding me? We can't have it both ways. We can't call ourselves a blue blood and then be like, but, 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 Baylor, but, 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 K-State. Clearly, we don't play them. But bullshit. We have better players. We have better players. It's why Coach V has to win 10 games. He has to prove that his coaching and his motivation is going to be the difference and the reason we kick ass, because you can't have a Desai McCullough, you can't have a, a Stutz who's been in the program going on his fourth year, and a Harrington who looks like an avatar, right? You can't, other teams don't have those dudes uh, lined up. We got to go kick some ass. Man, I was watching the, uh, doing a little bit of film review and, and looking at a few players for the site. And this is, goes to a little more of the technical side of the game, but also just 
how guys move um, in, in high school then once you get them to campus and what you have to coach and i texted you guys in the thread the amount of false steps by the backers in the 22 spring game versus this past year spring game seeing guys like kip lewis and mckenzie um even stutzman um from that spring game to this one it was night and day so it's obvious that the coaching has had a time to to sort of be there and get entrenched and the the players are learning the system there are expectations the the linebacker group from a coaching perspective in the spring game of this past year it looked nothing like what you saw in 22. Um, it was pretty staggering that was one thing when i went to go watch that i wasn't expecting i want to ask you offensive side of the ball uh, because petaway in high school looked all of a division one starter um, at, at the high school level and it seems like he's probably going to be a contributor um, having a good summer from from everything we're hearing uh, really showing out as a receiver a, a guy who played the position at, at a high college level uh, y- yourself what does it take for him outside of the physical for him to contribute as much as I think fans would hope he's going to contribute this upcoming season? It's a good question. Uh, it's actually, a, 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 I'm not going to say it's an easy question, but at the receiver position, there's three things you got to do. Number one is you got to catch the ball. And and I saw a lot of high school guys who caught a ton of balls, drop balls and and in the D1 game, it's just a mental piece. Like, it's just the confidence that you deserve to catch the ball. And once you catch the ball, get busy with it. And and you see freshmen come, and for some reason, man, some of them just, they they aren't ready for the moment, and, and they don't, right? So number one, is he going to come in and catch the ball? Number two, is he going to come in and be in the right window? When receivers jump into the wrong window, picks happen. Interceptions, turnovers, right? And so... How fast will he pick up the playbook and then how fast will he put up the uh, pick up the adjustments and side adjustments? All right. Uh, you know, you were, we're going to do some things where based upon how the defense is playing, there's a space or a hole or a spot where you need to get to uh, or a route you need to run or stop. And, and so he's got to learn that aspect of the game. It's not a very difficult. Our offense is simple. Our, this offense is easier than, than Link's offense. So it's an it's a position where, hey man, I'm one v one. I'm not out. I'm not in the box. I got a slant. I got a flade. I got a fade. I got to come back. Right. Like he will have to pick that up and get on the same page with the Q. Um, and then number three is again, it's that relative piece. There's an aspect to the game where the unknown is a little bit. Um, it's it's not trusted as much as the known. So what he's going to have to do is put together quality practices back to back to back to back and prove he's going to be competitive and prove he's going to catch the ball and prove he's, you know, uh, going to do more than a junior who's a four or five, but they know has been in the system for two years versus his one year. And the likelihood of a bus is going to be substantially less because here's what he has in his back, back pocket. Sub 10 four. How many other guys on the offense can say they run sub 10 four? None. Zero. So that sub 10 four is already a differentiator for him. That sub 10 four, if used correctly, will be something that'll keep a safety high or maybe two safety highs, which means a lighter box. 
that that 10-4 means that they can't put a backer if he's in the slot. The backer has to lead the game because if the backer's put in position to cover him in the hole, he's going to whoop that ass, right? So the coaches know he has a niche skill that can be harnessed and, and we can go kill with. What he has to be able to prove is, number one, can you catch the football? The ball comes your way and you're wide open. Are you going to drop it just because you mentally aren't prepared? Or are you going to catch it and get busy? Number two, is he going to mentally bust or be in the right hole? Right? If they go from a, a single high and in the last second, uh, one of the backers bails out and he's really a second safety and they're going into a shell coverage, right? Or they're going to a five coverage and the backers are sinking to 12. Will he understand on that dig route, he's got to clear the corner and then sit? And will he understand that the, the safety might be driving, so he's got to kind of turn it into a curl and come back? Like, those are things that he'll have a ton of reps to practice via the summer. Um, and then number three is, is does he want to be a dude, or is he just kind of here and excited that he signed his letter of intent and he gets to wear an interlocked OU? Like, are you a dog or are you cute? You know what I'm saying? Like, you you just want to rock the crimson and cream and, and get some Jordans. Like, come on, bro. He seems to me all indications that I've heard, and I've heard from multiple people, kid is here to take somebody's spot. Man, you know what it reminds me of? Antoine Savage. Mm. Antoine Savage. Um, just, just, I remember going into my first spring being a redshirt freshman. I had been in the program one year, and Twan got recruited that fall camp. Juan came in and here's this, this, this is, this is how I, I had to respect him. And I'm going to show my age here. Juan comes in first practice. He's six, by the way, Twan's number was six. He wore six for us on game days. Right. So we had two, I mean, we had three days back then, but it was a two day practice. Three day essentially just meant we had a special teams practice early in the morning or late at night. It was it the three day wasn't that hard. It was the two offensive defense practices, but he came out in six Right. Okay. Cool. I was like, okay. By the way, look good. You know, you look at people and like, if they jersey look raggedy, or if they get the baggy, or you know what I mean. Like, there's just certain yep. things you're like, okay, that's not a dog. Like, you can just tell yep. this very unlikely, especially on offense. Maybe on defense, you got a guy who like just give me whatever. But on offense, when you got a guy who come in and he accepts the baggy jersey and he rocking number thirty one or some some trash, like, bro, bro, bro. You know what I'm saying? You a red shirt or you are you a pu- you know what I'm saying? You trash. You pull down. Well, he comes in rocking six, and it looks sweet. I'm like, okay, sweat. Okay, I see, bro. And, and by the way, cool dude from Georgia, deep voice, you know, country boy. Well, we come out the second practice. He rocking nine. And showing my age, the undisputed best receiver in America from 96 to 99 was a gentleman by the name of Peter Wark, who went to the NFL and was, was just a guy. He was a jag in the league. But in college, he was... He was he he was everything you know. He was the man. Uh, Sav comes back to, back out rocking nine. So I walk up to him like, "Hey, bro." He said, "Man, I want everybody here to know I'm as good as Peter Wark." And at that point, I said, "Whether you know he he I don't know if he Peter Wark, but he believes in himself." Sav went on to have a phenomenal freshman year. You know, I think he led us in yards. Of course, I led us in touchdowns that year, but uh, he led us in yards and uh, the freshman, the freshman. Yeah, yeah, he led the freshman. I think he had 600 and some yards. I had like 300 and some yards, but I had four touchdowns. I think he had two. Um, and uh, the rest is history, right? You want to see if Pedway, you know, like if Pedway, did he take 17? Is that Pedway? Who's, who's 17? Somebody had Seven, a picture on Twitter. Pedway, yeah, Pedway. So we made fun of Wolfo. We 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 made fun of Dre for rocking the seventeen. Like bro, seventeen. Like 
what are we, what are we doing? By the way, I wore 13. Uh, you know, 13 was whatever, but like it, 17 was like 17 is like that was like lucky seven without being lucky. Like we used to call him unlucky because he had oh, the extra, extra. <laughs> and anyway, that's a whole nother story. But at least he's not like 87 or like, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, bro, 84 in college? Ew. Like, who does that? Only Willie Peoples is the only person I knew who rocked the 80. Like 80 something, bro? You wildin'. He has a he has a good freshman number. That's a good number for a freshman coming right out the gate. Uh, some guy who was second team or some will probably wanted that number, and and it's good to see that he said, "Hey man, I'm getting it. I'm getting a team number as a pup, and uh, he's gonna start. I'm gonna make a bold prediction. He doesn't get injured. The only caveat is he picks up the offense. He brings a skill set that we don't have, and the coaches want to showcase talent. That's that's above average it's good for recruiting if he does what he's supposed to do he'll he'll be a um he'll be a situational starter split possessions you know 40 snaps a game you know 40 60 snaps a game not necessarily every possession but he'll be a guy who gets consistent run on the team Man, when uh, when Gentry came out, I, it was nine that he was wearing as soon as I saw that video of him at nine I said yep he's he's starting this year one hundred percent. I want to ask you before we uh, before we wrap up, man. Uh, your Lakers making some interesting moves. Seem to have gotten a little bit better. Um, OKC also uh, bringing in a Euro League MVP. I won't even try to pronounce the first name. Last name is Micic. Um, Three year deal. Um, also looks like they got Bertans. Um, a young core. Uh, but man, talk about LA a little bit. What do uh, well, what do you think they got going on this next season? Are they gonna be able to get over the Denver problem? Nah, here's what I'll say first. You guys getting Chet back is all that. That's the biggest oh, yeah. uh, off season transaction. You guys get him healthy. He's a dude. Uh, Big time. And probably, and probably put on some weight because he had a whole year to just work on his body. For us, yep. I think we had a great off season. Uh, we got some some stretch four guys. We got some length. Um, you know, people talk about Joker and what he did to us, but really the difference in that our um series was the ability for their wings who are six eight, six nine, six ten to uh win fifty fifty balls and make three point shots. And then we had to basically go small in order to compete. Our best lineup was Schroeder with Reeves and LeBron and and uh ad and then at every night it was a different guy it might have been rudy it might have been walker it might have been you know we, we didn't have a mainstay fourth fifth guy and they did so us bringing in um you know the guy from minnesota i like the backup center we got from 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 utah i love vincent as a backup point guard who could put he's a he's a dog he's a grimy guy comes from miami where they have that the miami way attitude uh and, and and I like I like uh we picked up uh my man um gosh dang it from Toronto, uh another stretch four. So anyway, we filled some of the holes we need. Here's what I'll say, Barry. Uh LeBron, bronze uh yeah, I'm gonna say bronze sexuals will want to give him the credit. He's got a phenomenal team around him. Mm-hmm. He has a phenomenal team around him. The pressure is squarely on. Like you have a roster full of guys who who do the things that 
you supposedly bring championships to town with it's championship or bust clearly it's that just because of his age and, and what his contract looks like he you know he could opt out after this next season but also it's like you know he he fixes the deck to get teams that are good and tries to take all the positives and then tries to run from the negatives and, and i say that uh, not as a braun hater but like the, the whole conversation around goat him versus mj like you don't have to make any excuses for MJ's accolades. He did it all with one team. He retired and then did it again. He made two three-peats. He did the individual stuff. He did the team stuff. He did the final stuff. And by the way, he never lost when it counted. Last but not least, people bring up the nine years he lost. Well, dude, he lost his first nine. Once he won, he never lost again. Like, that. there's something to be said about that. Um, and I know I went on a tangent, but Braun, uh, he's got the team that's uh, needed for him to win. I am a Lakers fan, so I hope he does what's necessary to win. Um, and I think we will. I think we'll have a competitive team. I think this team is definitely equipped in a much better way to give Denver problems. You got to take care of the champs. They're the champs. So we need to do what we need to do to beat them. And OKC versus Lakers. You you were saying you think you think OKC has a better regular season record than us. I'm going to go out on a limb, man. I don't even actually think it's that big of a limb. I think regular season, OKC has a better record than LA. I think in the playoffs, they've still got some matchup issues. I think teams will... It, it really depends on the kind of defensive player that Chet is. I'll caveat with if Chet can play serious defense, and I'm talking about AD-level stuff, play the drop, still c close out on shooters. If he can do that, they're going to be a problem, and I think they're looking at being like a solid 5-6 seed. Um, L.A. was in, in trouble, and I think for L.A., it really comes down to just staying healthy throughout the year, right? I think that's more of the issue with the record. If they're fully healthy, they're a high 40-50 win team. The issue is they have not been fully healthy. A.D., you can at least book, you know, 15 to 20 games. Uh, LeBron, LeBron struggle. LeBron yep. too. So and and OKC is young. I think they I think they have the potential. I won't say it's a guarantee for things to go the way of like how Sacramento did this past year. And as a matter of fact, I think Sacramento's a really good comp. Sacramento had a great regular season, then they got to the playoffs and, and Golden State just had too much championship medal, but they learned from it. Um and and Sac Sacramento looks to be getting a little bit better too, but I think OKC I expect a little bit of the same, uh, the, the the same kind of season, especially if Chet plays well. Uh, some of the other additional pieces they're going to add, kind of on the margins. Um, I, I think OKC has a shot, man. The LA Lakers were going to the playoffs with a higher seed than the Oklahoma City Thunder. Ah, uh, man, I will take loser, that bet all day. Loser, 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 uh, double or nothing. Nah, I don't want no double or nothing. I got you for a steak dinner when I see you, but separate. <laughs> If, so what that means is if I win, I still owe you a steak dinner, but now you owe me the next one. If I lose, I owe you two consecutive steak dinners. Ooh, okay. Let's get it, man. Let's get it. Sooner Nation, we appreciate the support. Great stuff as always, DMAC. Make sure you guys go follow the Twitter at Barry and Mac SHW. Find Damien at D underscore Mac 13. Find me at BWISE Fitness at the letter B W I S E fitness and go to Sooners360.com. Check it out. Good stuff on there. Recruiting, news, insider info, all of the good stuff. And we're contributing on a daily basis. Thank you all for listening, tuning in this week, and we will see you soon.